LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. And it really became uh, clear to me that not only was I doing ministry at church, but the business was not only an indirect ministry, but for us, it was a direct ministry. Welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, and I am not here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter, but that's okay because we have an incredible guest today with us, and that is Steve Green, who is the president of Hobby Lobby, the founder of the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and author of many books, including his latest, This Beautiful Book, which just released just a few months ago. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Chandler? I am doing great. Where are you calling in from? I'm uh, from our office in Oklahoma City. Fantastic. Now, I know you're in Oklahoma City, but a big part of what you do is also in Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible. And just this past summer, I actually got to visit the Museum of the Bible and just incredible and beautiful and so much history there. Can you share just a little bit about the Museum of the Bible with our listeners? Sure. We uh, opened the Museum of the Bible November of 2017, and uh, we look at the Bible in three ways, its history, its impact, and its narrative. We have three floors that uh, look at each of those, and um, there, there is no building that can contain this book's story. So we literally are just scratching the surface of the story, and uh, a lot of other uh, great great things there. We have uh, space for the Israeli Antiquity Authority and the Vatican has some space, a, a restaurant, a theater and a banquet hall and all kinds of good stuff. It's a great place uh, for people to come take a look and learn about the Bible, hopefully be inspired to engage with it more. It is a phenomenal museum. And now I think it's said it's one of the most technological advanced museums in the world, right? It is. We've got a lot of technology. Um, it has been said it would take nine, eight hour days to go through and watch everything and <laughs> uh, read everything. And uh, there's a Disney-esque ride in the uh, museum. So it's uh, uh, unlike uh, any other museum. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, people, again, are inspired to get to know this book that's changed our world a little bit better. It's, it's a really awesome experience. My favorite part was, I think it's the Hebrew Bible experience where you actually walk through it. Um, yes. Man, that's just done so well. So if you're listening and you're going to be heading to DC anytime soon, you're going to want to check out the Museum of the Bible. Now, I also want to talk about your, your latest book, this beautiful book, which, which really lines up well with Museum of the Bible. Can you share just a little bit with our listeners about what that book's about? I can. The, the narrative floor of the museum is a floor where we're, we're just trying to give a person an understanding of what the overall story of the Bible is. Uh, many people uh, don't know any of the Bible story. Uh, hmm. And where do you start with somebody that doesn't know any of the Bible story? And, and uh, that's what we want to do. And there many people know parts and pieces of it. They may know a Bible story, but they may not know how it all fits together. And, and the goal of the narrative floor of the museum is uh, for a person to have an understanding, one, of what the story is, and secondly, to know that it is a story, that, mm. that all of these different books, these different stories come together to make a story. And that is the goal for uh, my book, this beautiful book, is to uh, try to give a person a basic understanding, a high-level view of what the Bible story is. And I take five main characters, Moses, uh, or Abraham, Moses, King David, 
the prophet Isaiah and Jesus and show how that through those main characters, there is a storyline that runs through it all and uh, uh, explain to a person what this book's story is. That's great. I know the Bible can be very intimidating. So that sounds like a great kind of entry point and understanding of how it's all one book leading to one story. So that sounds incredibly helpful. Listeners, you're going to want to make sure you check that out. Now, let's get into the questions here. I know, Steve, I'm so excited to hear a little bit of your of your story into leadership and yourself as a young leader. So let's just get started with the first question. Can you walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years that have led you to where you are today? You know, I think of, uh, I go back and, you know, start in, in school where that uh, I would take, you know, different uh, leadership roles there, uh, would be elected to a particular office, uh, student council, a member's president of Key Club. Um, <laughs> so uh, that that's where some of the uh, leadership roles started. As soon as I graduated, graduated high school. I didn't go to college. So, uh, cause I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And my dad gave me a, a job. It was, the title was liaison, uh, where I would uh, travel to the stores that we had. Um, at that time we had six stores and I would travel to them and, um, uh, it was kind of a communication and it was, uh, a step towards becoming the supervisor overseeing those stores. And, um, and they would take other different um, uh, leadership roles throughout, you know, my, my work history here at Hobby Lobby, uh, uh, being responsible for different departments. And then I think about church. Um, uh, I remember uh, early on I was asked to uh, teach the young married class after uh, I got married. And um, I remember thinking that's that's not what I do. Uh, I'm more of a uh, introverted person. And mm. uh, but. That, uh, you know, kind of developed some uh, uh, abilities and, and skills that uh, served me well. And and then uh, as a family, uh, in, in my, my role, especially as a father of uh, my six children, there's uh, certain uh, leadership skills and uh, abilities that are developed uh, and uh, where some of those skills are applied as, as a father to my family. So one aspect that you just said there is when you started at Hobby Lobby, there were six stores. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So there is definitely more than six stores now. <laughs> so when you started in your role then, I mean, what did that scale of, of moving to a larger, um, you know, space of stores across the country look like? And what was your role in that? And kind of what did that look like in your leadership? Yeah, you know, my father is still CEO and still involved in the company. And so um, I, I started, uh, like I said, right out of high school. And my title has changed over the years. My responsibility has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, but um, and, and it, it, it really moved into different directions. There was a point where I was overseeing uh, our accounting department and uh, was taking the primary role there. Today, uh, I oversee our real estate department, among others, and make decisions on the, the new stores and overseeing buyers. And uh, so over the years, my my role has changed and been involved in, in many different departments uh, and in order to kind of get exposed to uh, uh, each of those. And as a matter of fact, today, I'm, I'm probably less involved in Hobby Lobby than I've ever been because mm. of the, my role with Museum of the Bible. That has uh, taken a lot of my responsibility. But yeah. but uh, over the years, it just is uh, different roles and uh, uh, taking on, you know, the leadership in those. And, and you know, our primary our primary uh, 
role as a leader here is is building an organization. And that's what we teach our managers is we have new co-managers come in here uh, about once a month and we will uh, give them an understanding of what Hobby Lobby is and who and what we are. And one of the main things we point out is as a store manager, their primary role is to, to build an organization. And mm. I remember my dad, when he was uh, working for another company before Hobby Lobby started, he would take two-week vacations. And I remember him saying he always felt comfortable leaving because he had built a good organization and he was comfortable that they were going to be taking care of the store while he was gone. And uh, so uh, that that is a part of uh, uh, being a good leader is building a good organization. And that's what we tell our uh, co-managers when they come in. That's their their primary role is to build a good organization. That's awesome. Let's move to the next question here. Can you tell us about a pivotal moment that you look back on that changed your leadership and your life? Um, yeah, when I think of um, uh, a pivotal moment, I, uh, what was life changing for, for me and my wife probably say the same is having kids um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, children are given to rookies. Um, our first <laughs> child, we had never had a child. And so, uh, you know, you, you go into this uh, new venture and um, uh, it, it's it's uh, a learning, life learning opportunity. It changes your life forever. And uh, in many cases for the good, it's challenging. It's hard. And I have a daughter that just uh, adopted her first child. And uh, that's awesome. One of the things I, I try to, to prepare her for is that it's life changing. And um, here you have this responsibility. You're you're a leader in this child's life. And and yet, at the same time, it is uh, a role of giving. Uh, you're you're constantly there, uh, serving that child. Uh, it's need uh, daily needs, and uh, it really is a life lesson for leadership. Because uh, being a good leader, you're serving those that you're leading. And um, uh, children were uh, the one uh, when you when you ask about life changing to me, that's what comes to mind is having our first child. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I, you can really tell how much emphasis you put on family and your love for your family and the way that you answered that. And you're right there. There really is. That is such a pivotal moment in your life. So thank you for sharing that. Now, as you were talking about all the different roles that you've been in over the years, I mean, you've seen a lot of different sides of the organization and I'm sure there were some mistakes along the way. So what would you say was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? Yeah, I guess you have to narrow it down. There's uh, so many <laughs> mistakes that are made, but uh, one that comes to mind uh, talking about uh, early mistakes is I remember going back to high school. I was uh, had a a district wide. I was elected to district wide student council office, and part of the responsibility was to put on a one day conference. And uh, I remember it was me and another uh, guy and. Uh, a friend there in high school that we just kind of took the job and, and did it. You know, we uh, try to keep it simple. And I remember thinking if we got others involved, it would get complicated. And, and we just did it and, and you know, went off fine. But as I look back, I think I wonder if I, I missed a learning opportunity by just doing it. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, it's easy to say if you want the job done right, do it yourself. Um, and in many cases, that may be the case, but you you lose uh, teaching opportunities, learning opportunities, and um, I wonder uh, what uh, what we could have learned collectively ourselves and working as a team and 
bringing others in and and them learning through the process. But uh, just getting the job done, we did it. But I wonder if uh, we, we missed a bigger opportunity um, in in learning uh, other lessons in the process. So um, uh, it, it, I, I also remember thinking how the teaching uh, Sunday school lesson, as I mentioned, no one learns more than the teacher. And so hmm. sometimes delegating that lesson to somebody else, you're helping them learn as much as anything. So, again, you can do it all yourself or bring others along and uh, uh, develop them in their uh uh, process as well. And uh, I don't know that I did that real well early on. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something you, uh, you learn along the way. And um, I know as a young leader myself, it's so easy just to want to grab everything and do it on your own. But I appreciate you the reminder that you're sharing of delegation is, is helping others learn as well. You know, you can teach everything, but if you allow someone else to teach, it lets them learn. And that's a great reminder. And it's easy just to try to roll up your own sleeves and do it on your own instead of developing others and, and helping them. So that's a really good reminder. Yeah. Before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from one of our sponsors. On this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, I encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so you can launch strong, be reproducible, and thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planners and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions. So you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Once again, that's portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Now back to the podcast. Steve, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Well, uh, of course, the, uh, the, the, the main book I still look to is the Bible and, yeah. and was directed to that one in my life early on. But um, uh, besides that, and that's the, the uh, uh, Sunday school answer, which is <laughs> Jesus. the right answer. Uh, that's right. <laughs> but uh, past that, the, the one I think of is uh, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. Yeah. I remember uh, I read that one and I remember uh, reading through there and thinking, yeah, well, that's what dad taught us. Mm. Um, and there are just so many things in that book that um, uh, I felt like were good uh, instructions and guidelines and lessons learned from from those that had been successful in their area. And um, uh, what was one that comes to my mind is uh, one of the uh, better books that I have read. Good to Great is definitely one that is is repeated on this podcast over and over again. I think it's just such a a cornerstone book to read as a leader. And, and Jim Collins does a great job to distill those principles through stories and narratives. So totally agree with you on that one. Now, stepping into uh, to leadership as a young leader, you can have a different view of what leadership might actually look like. So what was your biggest misconception as a young leader? Um. I think that um, the, the the idea that I had to know it all and be all uh, mm-hmm. in in a particular uh, role that uh, obviously uh, knowing uh, having knowledge is good um, and being able to to do a job is good, but uh, in, in some cases 
especially as as my role here has changed and I have had different roles and responsibilities, I can't be uh, the smartest in the room and I, I can't be the one that could do it the best. Uh, if I'm mm-hmm. overseeing an accounting department or a legal department or uh, our aviation department, um, there are um, areas that you, you have to rely on people that know more than you do, yet you're leading those um, those people in those roles. And so um, uh, it's, it's not that you have to know it all. You just <clears throat> have to be able to lead well. Um, and in some cases, uh, know if somebody isn't doing a good job um, in an area of expertise that you don't have and make a decision to say, no, we need to, um, you're, you're not doing that role well and be able to make a change if necessary. So um, it's not it's not that I have to know it all or uh, be the best. It's uh, really just the, the leadership of being able to observe and determine uh, if, a, if a person is doing their job well, because that's, that is my job is, is making sure I've got good people building a good organization absolutely, um, and, and be able to manage that. So um, not having to be the expert in the room. Yeah. Well, let me follow up on this. Um, Cause I think it's really interesting part of your story of hearing how going from the leadership role of Hobby Lobby, and you've even said you've, you've stepped back a little bit there, and now it's a lot of uh, your time and attention is going towards Museum of the Bible. So these two um, organizations are very different. One's a, one's a retail store chain, while the other is a museum. So let me, let me ask it this way. What were some of the misconceptions that you had and maybe stumbled upon and challenges of, of moving into kind of a different space and hearing what you say. Absolutely. I'm sure there were times you're like, I am definitely not the expert in this for the museum. So what were some of those misconceptions and challenges um, that you really didn't know would, would pop up when you made that transition over? Yeah, I think uh, similar. I remember when we kind of got started on this journey, uh, it was okay. I've got to bring some scholars together and help us build these three different concepts out, the history, the impact, and narrative, and we kind of had a, a team for each of them. Uh, but, you know, I never built a museum. I, I, I don't, didn't know how that worked. And uh, fortunately, we had some expertise that uh, eventually directed us to the creative firms that were the ones that had built museums that were able to take the story that we wanted to tell and then tell it. Now, they weren't experts in the story. Yeah, They were experts in telling the story. So they had to draw from the scholars that we had to be able to tell the story. But how, how that all came down, you know, my, uh, you know, I, I didn't have this idea of exactly how uh, the creative firms fit into this because I'd never done it before. And, um, uh, and it, it was, again, one where not being the expert, but we're able to draw upon the experts to let them do what they did well and, um, and, and empower them and engage them uh, and, and provide the resources for them to be successful as well. And um, uh, it, was a, it was a learning uh, process for me and uh, a journey that um, uh, was, was exciting and have said many times that um, we, we weren't smart enough to be able to do all this. And, and <laughs> we just saw in many cases how that God's hand was uh, in the middle of it, uh, helping us along uh, as as we were on this journey, so it, it was it was and continues to be an exciting journey, and and we see God's hand in it time and time again. I love that. That's great. 
Well, now let's go to uh, one of the last questions here. Now that you are older and uh, more mature, looking back, what are some of the qualities that you wish you had as a young leader? Um, well, I, th- I think that, uh, as I mentioned, you know, you don't have to be the smartest in the room. Obviously, the more knowledge you have, the better you are able to uh, manage in different roles. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, uh, uh, having uh, more knowledge in different areas, obviously, th- there's going to be a limited amount, but uh, that would have been uh, of value. Uh, having the life experiences that I have today would have been nice to have had. Uh, <laughs> right. You learn from your mistakes. And um, obviously, uh, the more you can learn from others' mistakes, the, the more you don't have to make them. But um, obviously, those mistakes you make are very uh, important lessons. Um, and, and I think that uh, just the, my nature is more of the doer, the, uh, you know, get the job done and therefore miss out on some of the relational opportunities. As I mm. mentioned, the, uh, the, the opportunity to learn from the event in high school that, that we were putting on instead of just doing it is, <clears throat> uh, uh, developing the relational, uh, skills that uh, could have uh, been developed, uh, because, uh, that, uh, that is, not as much my personality as others. And, um, you know, having, having those relational skills, uh, I see the value today that I may not have back then. Yeah. I think I love what you said about the experiences and the mistakes you made. It's like, I wish I could have done those before and learned from them because those are a wealth of leadership, uh, reps basically, and you can learn from them. So totally understand that. Now I want to ask one more question, um, in regards to, I think, I love the way that you have even shared how you're teaching Sunday school and serving in your church. And you can tell that that is such a big part of who you are and your story. And you want to make sure that you're, you're serving your church well. So for those young leaders who who may be listening and they're like, I don't feel called to ministry. I feel called to go into the business world. I feel called to, to go into the marketplace. How would you advise someone sitting across the table from him and saying, hey, I want to go into business, but I want to also serve my church well. Um, I want to be able to to give back and to be able to use my leadership that is in the business space, but also be able to to give it back to the church as well. How would you advise them and what's some advice that you would give them? Well, I think uh, I, from two perspectives, uh, my my start with my father, he, he grew up in a uh, preacher's home. His his father was a pastor, so he's a preacher's kid. He's one of six. And all of his siblings uh, wound up going into pastoral ministry, either becoming a licensed minister or marrying a licensed minister, except for him. And oh, for wow. A long time, he felt like a bit of the black sheep of the family because, <laughs> you know, was, was it, am I not good enough? He knew that that was not his calling. He uh, uh, very much introverted. And uh, so, uh, that that was one that he knew he was not called to do, and he wound up going in high school into the retail world. And it was years later when uh, he really felt impressed to give a certain amount that as he gave that amount, the response came back. It was an amount that was specifically being prayed for. Oh, wow. And it was one that was very affirming for him uh, that he felt like, you know, God had him right where he wanted him and that he could use him. Uh, not necessarily in a pastoral role, but in the business and mm. uh, that uh, his skills and abilities that God had given him, uh, that his calling was to be in uh, in the business world. So um, that that was his experience. Now, my experience was different. It, it wasn't 
that I felt like it was not my calling, but it was one where I felt like, okay, I go to church and there's my ministry and then I'll go to work. And, uh, and there's a certain ministry there in being an example and, uh, you know, uh, living the, uh, the right way and, and operating our business right with honesty and integrity and uh, mm-hmm. being a light in our community. Um, and in many cases, that's, that's where uh, people are in their uh, business life and their work life is, uh, but for Hobby Lobby uh, in the mid nineties, it kind of took a new uh, role, uh, a new development. That was when a ministry side of the business started developing uh, where we started doing our newspaper ads, closing our stores on Sundays, Mm. uh, ministry giving started escalating. And it really became uh, clear to me that not only was I doing ministry at church, but the business was not only an indirect ministry, but for us, it was a direct ministry. Um, and that uh, the more uh, in uh, that I uh, was doing successful at the business, the more ministry we were able to do. And so um, it, it became much more of a direct ministry. And again, many, many may not have the opportunity in their business uh, life to be able to do that, but mm-hmm. Because of the success of Hobby Lobby, uh, you know, with us giving half of our profits away, uh, the more profitable we can be, the more ministry we are able to do. And and it really became a direct ministry. Uh, so um, uh, it, it may be that a person, you know, goes to work and they just have to be a, a light where they are. And that's the part of their ministry that they can be at their work uh, and do ministry at church. And I still, mm-hmm. you know, will teach it at church and uh uh, from time to time, so um, it uh, every everybody's calling is is different, but uh, uh, both work and church were uh, direct ministries, as I see. Yeah, and I think that's great because we can easily separate the two, right? Like church is my ministry where I <clears throat> where I'm gonna you know really serve the Lord, and then when I go to work and, and business, it's separate from that. But seeing the marrying of those two and that they overlap, and there's not this sacred and secular divide, but they're one and the same. So thanks for sharing that. Well, now we're going to move to the quick hitter questions, and these are just short one-minute answers. So we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, exercise, all that good stuff? Yeah, it'd be nice to have a regular. My schedule is <laughs> kind of crazy uh, with this travel, but if I'm at home yeah. getting up, uh, my ideal would be getting up at 530, uh, doing some exercise, getting into God's word, uh, getting to the office at eight, uh, getting back, leaving 530 or so, uh, getting home, getting, uh, enjoying uh, time with the family uh, before an early uh, night, uh, you know, get to bed 10 o'clock or so. Um, but um uh, with with as much travel as I do, that that is not as uh, <laughs> routine as I would like. Yeah, the ideal doesn't always happen. I'm sure with all the travel. Yeah. What is your favorite personality test? You know, I've done several, uh, and the one that uh, comes to mind is the DISC test. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, there's kind of the four that uh, each letter of DISC represents a, a personality uh, type, and um, I remember uh, I was a CD. Uh, C is the strongest. D was the second, but uh, pretty strong as well. And that was the more orderly, structured, um, uh, decisive uh, uh, types. Uh, the, I'm not the creative um, 
relational type uh, that shows up in, in uh, you know, even back in high school. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys do any personality tests within um, your organizations? Do you guys all do the disc or anything? We have as a family all uh, gone through the DISC test, and that's been a few years back. I don't know of a one that we're doing uh, regularly. Uh, my kids have done a gummy bear one. A gummy bear on. one? Yeah, and uh, they couldn't find it, but uh, it, it was, yeah, different colored gummy bears. And I was the green one that had a briefcase, whatever. That, was, so. <laughs> that one's awesome. We'll have to check yeah. that out. Well, what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Um, um, when you say unusual, um, what comes to mind is I will stop every once in a while and just play solitary on my phone. Oh, um, nice. There are times that, uh, just taking a break, I think is, uh, is a good thing. And, um, uh, I, I just, uh, I have a, a solitaire app on my phone and I'll just, um, uh, take a break and enjoy a game of solitaire. Just freeze the mind a little bit. That's right. So the next question is, what is your favorite app on your phone? So maybe solitaire. If it is, let's go with another one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would say the U version app. Yeah. Uh, what I involve, uh, get involved with every day. Uh, our church is going to be going through the uh, a U version Bible plan this next year, going through the whole Bible, and I'll be joining our church on that. And so it is an app that I go to daily. It's a great app uh, with a lot of great features. It is. And then actually at the Museum of the Bible, you guys have a like a U version room, right? Or something like that that shows where all the what people are reading at the time. We do. There is a world map that will show up in our Bible Now space that shows people that are engaging with the Bible app all over the world. And it really tells a powerful story. Right now, there are people engaging with the Uversion app, with the Bible, uh, more than any other book. There really isn't a close second. And that is just one app. That doesn't count wow. hard copies. Uh, and it's a, quite impressive to see the world map. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, the technology in there to be able to see exactly where it is real time is, is really, really neat. Well, what has been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Um, the one that comes to my mind is I uh, read a book by Virginia Proden called Saving My Assassin. Okay. Uh, she was an attorney in Romania during the Reagan administration and uh, an incredible story of how that uh, while she was defending churches that the government was trying to take their properties away um, and they had an assassin sent to, to take her out. And, Whoa. Uh, she actually started witnessing to her assassin, and he eventually accepted Christ um, and actually wrote a chapter in her book. Uh, it's an incredible book, a great read. Uh, it's called That's Saving incredible. I'm going to have to yeah. check that out. That sounds like an, just a fascinating story. It, yeah, it is. Wow. Well, this is uh, the last question and one of my favorites. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? You know, I think that um, uh, a leader is constantly being pulled in different directions. Um, they may have different audiences that they're trying to please, those that they're uh, leading, uh, those that they that those that they're leading may be serving, uh, and so uh, it, it's easy for a leader to be pulled into different directions uh, and you know become challenging. But my my advice is that you remember that you really have an audience of one. Mm. Um, you're in a leadership role or in whatever role is, uh, you're ultimately uh, accountable to, to Almighty God. Uh, and 
if uh, at times um, you, you feel pulled, the, the question is, what what does the audience of one want? What is he asking? And uh, uh, that uh, that is what we I think we need to be sure to remember. That's such a great uh, perspective to have. Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And if you're listening, you're going to want to check out this beautiful book. And you're also going to want to go to Washington, D.C. and experience the Museum of the Bible for yourself. It is so much fun. And thank you for listening today. We hope that this has been helpful uh, to you and your leadership. And if it has been, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.